0: I was guilty with nothing to say, and they were coming to take me away, but then a voice from heaven was heard that said, let him go. Take me instead, and I should have been crucified, I should have suffered and died. In his place But Jesus God's son Took my place Crown of thorns A spear Deep in his side And the pain It should have been mine The rusty nails were meant for me. But Christ took them and let me go free. Oh, I should have been crucified. I should suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in His place, but Jesus, God's Son, took my place. I should have been crucified I should have suffered and died I should have hung on the cross in his place but Jesus God's Son took my place. I should have hung on the cross in His place, but Jesus, God's Son, took my place.
1: have our ushers come and we receive our morning offering. Be faithful. Peace, still my soul. What a beautiful old hymn. Well, if you would do this today, if you're physically able, would you stand for the reading? And we're going to go to Joshua chapter 7. We're in week 5 of our series on the competition for your heart. And today, Old Testament book of Joshua, We're going to read in chapter 7, verse number 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor thither, for there are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote of them about thirty and six men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Shabaram, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the even time. He and the elders of Israel had put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, Wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. What wilt thou do unto thy great name? And The Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou upon thy face. Israel has sinned. They have also transgressed my covenant which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more except you destroy the accursed thing from among you. Up, sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel. There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. Our topic this morning is hidden things. Father, would you work now? In our lives today, in our hearts, guide us in this message in a special way. May the Holy Spirit have the liberty to work in each of us as you design. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing. We're going to sing a song right before the message.
2: a grateful heart
1: In your bulletin this morning if you'd like to follow along with us God had made the Jordan River To stand up straight during flood stage And they passed over on dry ground The walls of Jericho fell down flat The promised land thing was working out really well For the children of Israel And then we get to chapter 7 Joshua sends a small group of soldiers out to take the village of Ai, a tiny little place. They got their tails handed to them. Thirty-six soldiers were killed. All the goodwill evaporated. The victory of Jericho seemed like ancient history. Even Joshua hit the wall of spiritual discouragement. He tore his clothes and fell to the ground right before the Ark of the Covenant. He and all the leadership team put dust on their heads. Look at verse 7 again, chapter 7. Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side Of Jordan. So even Joshua is crying out to God and saying, God, what are you doing here? What was God's response? Get up. What are you doing on your face, Joshua? There's a hidden thing. It's not a God problem, it's a sin problem. By the way, could I start by telling you this? There has never been a God problem, it's never happened before. He's always present. He's never been late. He's never been surprised. His compassion's fail not. out there new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. There's never been a God problem in your life. Now there are times where you said, God, what are you doing? What is taking place in my life right now? But I assure you, there's never been a God problem. The problem was the hidden stuff. The problem was the accursed thing. God refuses to compete with hidden things. The story of Achan shows us the big picture results of hidden sin. One man, a guy named Achan, assumed that his actions would have no effect upon anyone else. His family. Certainly his actions couldn't hurt a whole nation. Or could they? We're going to get into the passage and see. And let's begin by saying this. Achan wasn't attentive to the instructions. Achan wasn't attentive to the instructions. Look, this wasn't a deal where God had given out the rules years before. The rules weren't stuck in some fine print on a forum somewhere. I don't know if you ever had that happen. Where you bought something or you made a deal and you thought, man, I, we, we sealed the deal. This thing is over. When we were first married, uh, we worked in a church in the Dallas area and then we um, worked in a church in Denver, Colorado. And when we were there, um, we were young and I won't say stupid, but close to stupid. Um, yeah, we were stupid. Just, go ahead. We were stupid. And uh, we went to this uh, presentation to look at some USA direct or America direct, some company. And they basically told us that everything we ever wanted to purchase could be purchased through them. And it was a great sales presentation. And we didn't talk about it. We didn't think about it. Um, you know, we, we didn't even say, you know what, here, here's what I've learned since then. You just tell them, look, if this deal is still here tomorrow... We'll come back and make it. But what the salesman said is this deal, we can't keep it till tomorrow. Right, this is a deal only for today, right? We don't have any money. I mean, we're poor. He works for a church. They don't pay him sometimes. And a you know, wife's staying home. We didn't have much going on. And uh, look, here's the deal. If you just put $5 down, $5, you can be members of this club for the rest of your lives. It will be a life-changing event. And that's actually true, that part. Um, so we signed the thing, okay. Well, I went home and I started reading the deal. And it didn't look like this was going to be the best thing for us. And so I wrote a carefully worded letter and I stamped it and sent it out. and said, yeah, we don't want to be members of your club. And you know, we're answering in the deadline time and everything's good. And everything was good. We never paid him one dime after that. We paid him five bucks. We sent him a cancellation letter. And uh, there there it was. Well, five years later, we went to buy a house. Yeah, uh-oh. Five years later, we went to buy a house. And, and uh, the broker came in and he said, there's, there's a problem on your credit report. I said, well, there shouldn't be any problem at all. We've... We've never had any problems on our credit report. And he said, "Well, oh, there is. There's a problem on your credit report. There's this America Direct. And they say you owe them $1,600. I said, they, they did what? Who, is, who are they? And I call them. Tell, Let's find out what it is. And uh, so he called them. And, and I said, yeah, you did a membership with us. And uh, you signed it. And we have the document that says you signed it. And uh, you are official lifelong members. You just forgot to pay for your membership, and so I said, "Give me the phone." <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. It turned out that before we could buy a house, we had to negotiate a deal from membership that we never one time used, and we paid them eleven hundred dollars so that we could buy a house. They say, how crooked, how horrible. Well, it was right down there in the fine print. It, didn't, it wasn't just a letter you had to send them. You had to send them a registered letter. And even though they never sent us one bill, even though they never sent us to collections, even though they never called us on it, now it was still on our report. And how many of you in your life have ever been burned by fine print? Ever been burned by fine print? Oh yeah, it'll, it'll get you. And you kids, can I give you some huge advice? Read the fine print. And can I give you some other huge advice? Don't ever hear anyone say, if you buy it today, you can do it. Say, you know what? I'll come back tomorrow. And if it's still here, maybe I'll buy it. You don't ever have to do it same day. That's just some financial advice for you. You don't ever have to do it that way But but the fine print And what I'm saying here About the instructions This was not fine print This was not Years before The warning that Joshua gave To the people concerning Jericho Was still fresh When Achan walked into the city Look back to chapter 6 We're going to see that His sin wasn't a matter of Forgetfulness (coughs) He intentionally disregarded what he'd heard. Look at chapter 6, verse 15. Okay, they'd been walking around Jericho for six days, verse 15. came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same matter seven times. So that day they walked around the city seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. Now look what he says right here before they walked in the door, before they went in the gates, before they went over the wall. Verse 17. And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein, to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. Now this wasn't just day of. Once again, this is before, just before they shouted and went into the city. And Achan deliberately chose not to heed what had been said. If you're a husband in the room today, you may have some, some point, at some point been accused of selective hearing. I don't know if you've ever been accused of that. Selective hearing. And it, I mean, if your wife asked you while you were reading the newspaper, or if your wife asked you while there was a football game on, that's not true communication. That should really be considered invalid. That should be thrown out. And if she ever said to you, while the fourth quarters going on with two minutes left in the game, and she said, "Honey, can I go buy some?" Right? And you said, like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." That shouldn't be counted against you. <laughs> uh, you didn't really even hear that. And when she comes back in the room with those bags, and you say, where did you go? What happened? Well, I asked you if I could go by. Blah, blah, blah. Well, when did you? I'm, you never asked me about Yes, I did. Well, when did you ask me about it? Yesterday? Yesterday? When? We didn't even talk yesterday. You see where I'm going with this? Selective Now, the the funny thing is We sometimes do selective hearing at church We sometimes do selective hearing when we read the Bible And we think, boy, this verse would be great for (laughs) so-and-so Selective hearing is when we don't internalize what's being said For me And Achan, he threw it out It It wasn't an instruction for him On the day of great victory, Achan was thinking about one person, himself. And that's always where hidden things start, with selfishness. Now later on, you might keep it hidden out of fear. But it starts with putting self above everything else. That secret you're carrying around with you today, that guilt that you hold on to, that lie that you've told yourself for years, even if it wasn't your fault, It's hidden inside of you because of selfishness. And I know you're thinking right now, hold up there, Pastor. Shame is not selfishness. It's shame. That's why I don't want to say it. It's shame. Really, what does shame say? It says, I don't want to be embarrassed. I don't want anyone to find out. When anything says I, that's selfishness. Hidden things always start with selfishness. And if we could just begin the message by saying that, that would help us. Secrets really start with this self-will, this selfishness. And in Achan's case, it was because he completely set aside the instructions that God had handed out through Joshua. Everybody else can keep the instructions, but I'm above that. I don't need to do that. Selfishness, greed. I've been a good soldier. I deserve a little extra. When Joshua gave out God's rules, he obviously didn't know my situation. They actually owe me a lot more than I'm taking. I have a right not to follow the plan. God is calling this stuff a cursed. Because he wants us to miss out Why should we not get Part of the stuff Out of Jericho And when we refuse To follow God's instructions It is always 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 Out of self will Hidden things always start with me With I They're not a God problem They're not another person problem They're a me problem And so we just start with that premise this morning. But then let's say this. Achan wasn't aware of his influence. Achan wasn't aware of his influence. And it's the classic thing that you've thought before. I'm not hurting anybody. This is only about me. Well, Achan, 36 men didn't come home from the battle of Ai. 36 families Mourned in the camp When we hide things, we never imagine That our choices are going to have any impact on others After all, sin is personal, right? Wrong Adam's sin changed the course of human history And my sin and your sin Has a much greater reach than we can ever think Even in the instructions God said that a violation, we just read it, the violation, look at the end of verse 18 again, chapter 6, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. This was about a national curse. God's telling Joshua, Israel has sinned. And we're reading this, we're like, "No, no, no, Israel didn't sin, Achan sinned. Hold on a second. The the camp didn't sin. One guy took something. And God's saying the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies because they were accursed, the entire nation. Achan made his family into co-conspirators. When he brought that stuff in the tent and told his son and his daughter, grab a shovel and start digging the hole, he made them co-conspirators. When his wife said, Achan, what are you doing? He said, I just got some extra stuff here. And now they are part of the crime. In fact, the whole nation is part of the crime. He caused, if you read this, he caused the house of Carmi shame. Carmi was his father. And that caused the house of Zabdi shame. That's his grandfather. And that affected the house of Zerah. That's his great-grandfather. And the entire heritage that his family line had was gone. And he messed it all up. It hurt his whole tribe, the tribe of Judah, and it sent a curse upon the whole nation of Israel. And I know the next argument is, well, this is the Old Testament. We live in a different time. Oh, we certainly live in a different time. But could I tell you this today, without you getting angry at me, God is no less holy than He's ever been. God is just as holy as He has been from eternity past. His promises and principles are the same as they have ever been. And when you hide negative stuff, it affects your marriage. It affects your relationship with your parents. It affects your family. It affects your life group. It affects the local church. Hidden things start with selfishness. And they end up having collateral damage that we can't even measure. It really, we can't even measure of it. it the, some of the issues you face in your life today likely are a result Of grandpa's sin. Some of the things that are going on in your life today. Can go back to something your dad did. Or your mom did. And you know deep in your heart right now the things. That other people have hidden. That ended up causing you deep, deep pain. And whatever group or body you're part of. It's going to be affected by your hidden things. That's a fact. Here's the wording that Jesus and Paul both gave on the subject. And I know it's kind of a weird phrase, but here's what they said. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. How many of you know someone who makes authentic homemade rolls when I say authentic I'm talking about the real stuff I'm not talking about no store bought stuff I ain't talking about Hawaiians best or Hawaiians own or whatever it's called I'm talking about you make the the flour and the the butter and the milk and the salt and you roll it out and maybe I missed an ingredient oh yeast yeast could be that I missed the ingredient on purpose. You throw in the yeast, and what happens to your rolls? You ever added too much and left the room for a while? What happened in my kitchen? I mean, there's, it's everywhere. It just takes a little bit. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. You know what it takes to mess up your life? A little hidden thing. That's it. I'm trying to be as real with you as I can today. It takes a little hidden thing to mess up your entire life. That's it. Hidden sin has a horizontal effect on the people around you, now, it has a vertical effect in your relationship with God. He knows what's going on in your heart. But it also has a horizontal effect with the people around you. The book of Ecclesiastes gives a principle on this subject. And you may have wondered before where the phrase dead flies in the ointment comes from. Or you could just shorten that up to uh, hashtag dead flies. Ecclesiastes 10, here's what it says. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. Now listen to the end of it. So doth a little folly. Him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. I'm going to translate that for you. Hidden things can cause any person to fall. Little things drag a lot of other people down with you. It's selfishness that tells you that your sin won't hurt anyone but you. I don't care who you are, you have influence. When you hide things, it affects other people. And that's what happened in Achan's life. He wasn't aware of his influence. Remember this, Joshua, you've got to think of this, here's a leader. Joshua had no idea why things weren't working. He was ready to question God. He was ready to blame the Most High. But it wasn't God. It was a guy and a family and a tribe that Joshua had probably never even interacted with before. A guy down in the camp of Judah named Achan. Sometimes in the local church, certainly we're not the nation of Israel. and The Bible never never says that we are. A much smaller entity, but an assembly, a, a gathering together of, of people who love Christ. And here in the local church, sometimes, you know, it seems like we're treading water. And there's some weeks where it seems like we're running in place. And outreach isn't what we want it to be. And discipleship isn't growing at the pace we want. The resources from ministry are lacking. And we're asking questions like, why can't we get people to jump into ministry roles? And we've advertised the 4th and 5th grade Sunday school class for weeks because we have a, a huge need there. And we've got nobody jumping at it. And it's easy to go to God and, and say, God, what are you doing? We need help. Why aren't you doing your part? And I think sometimes God responds with conviction it says, you may not know it, maybe you do know it, but there's sin in the camp. Somebody or some buddies are in love with the world. And here's what God says, you just hear Him saying it right now. I don't compete with the accursed thing. Never have, never will. Come clean and I'll put my hand of blessing back on you remember years and years ago. It seemed like we had no peace in the local assembly. I came to find out that there was something big going on in the local church. Big sin problem. I just remember the refreshment that we felt once that had all been thrown out there. There was a wound. There was pain. But there was the freedom that God brought back into the body of Christ Because sometimes we have to expose the hidden things before God can work And Achan just wasn't aware of his influence But then we say this Achan wasn't afraid about the implications He wasn't afraid about the implications The Bible says in Proverbs 1 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom but it's pretty obvious that the fear of God is missing from modern society. Many of our outreach teams have been out in the community this week, doing a terrific job um, meeting folks and, and making them aware of, of this series we're spree- speaking right now and telling them about the trunk retreat or roundup Sunday three weeks from today. And the church uh, website received this email on Wednesday night. Hello. So a couple of your loyalists came to my door today passing out cards spreading the gospel in which I do not like or appreciate at all. I'm very tired and frustrated that religious people have to force their beliefs on me. So now I'm going to force my beliefs of evolution and spreading the word of Charles Darwin, who is my leader, to your church by showing up on a Sunday morning with my biology book and preach the word of evolution. So if your congregation is willing to listen to my sermon for about an hour, then I will listen to your sermon afterward. I am a science teacher that very much believes in evolution. So please just leave your gospel to your own people and your church. Please spread the word to others as well, or I will just show up at every church in the Caldwell area with my biology book, with a picture of Charles Darwin, and talk about how we evolved from monkeys. That's a real email Now, when I showed it to my staff Some of them think that a teenager did it And it's a spoof I don't know, but we got it It came to the the website That's exactly what it said I read it word for word And when I read it, you know I was sad I was sad to read that Unfortunately, the person who wrote that email Along with the rest of humanity will stand before the Creator. You know who else will stand there? Old Chuck Darwin. He will stand before the God who formed his DNA, who wrote the code in three billion characters. What that means is for you to read one piece of the DNA code that God wrote, just one piece of one cell, it would take you 96 years if you read one character per second and didn't stop to eat, drink, or sleep. There are 75 trillion cells in your body that each carry that code. And one day we're going to stand before that God. That massive, mighty, awesome Creator. The Bible says, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that He is God. It's going to happen. People in society are speaking open blasphemy on a regular basis. There's this atheist character out there, who gets op-eds in all the major newspapers. And I'm not even going to say his name. Because what he says is complete hogwash. He, he hates God. You know, people who get upset about somebody coming to the door with good news. Like the gospel. Strike me a little odd. Because I don't know if they called Pizza Hut and reamed them out. For sending a coupon by. I don't know if they called Bed Bath & Beyond and said, if you stick another 20% off coupon on my door again, I will come to your store and read Charles Darwin. (laughs) I'm making a point here. You know why people get so angry? Because they're under conviction. They know they have a creator. And they have to out loud tell people that they don't to continue to deceive themselves. They know it. There's not much fear of God in our society. But you know, Romans 3 kind of covers this. i just read a little bit of this to you. It's in Romans 3 starting at verse 10. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understand it. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They're together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. And he goes on. Their throat is an open sepulcher. It's an open grave. With their tongues they've used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. Now listen to this last one. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's a description of the human race. That is a description in first century, speak, of the natural man. But the fear of God isn't just missing from those who openly defy God. It's missing from us, the family of God. And I can tell you, fear of God isn't about us being scared of God. He's our Father. It's about us making Him the centerpiece of every decision we make. And if we don't, there are definitely things we should fear. Hebrews 10.31 says this, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God said that everything in Jericho was accursed. The actions that Achan chose to take and hide were a direct insult to God's holiness. Achan became a part of the abomination of Jericho by hiding those things under his tent. And I wonder what cultural abominations we have hidden in our lives that keep God's holiness from shining through in his community. You know, there's another part of this. Achan, the Bible says, had stolen from the living God. Look back to chapter 6, verse 19. Look at this. So intriguing. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So all metals that could be purified belong to God. Achan robbed God. Look again at chapter 7 verse number 11 Israel has sinned and they have also transgressed my commandment which I commanded them For they have even taken of the accursed thing and look at this And have also stolen They've also stolen Achan robbed God I think we understand folks that, that God's the owner of everything Right? But there are times in his word where he told people that certain things belong to him. He gave explicit instructions about those things. And I'm sure you know where this is headed if you've been to church before. You know what one of those things is? Let's go over to Malachi. Look at the last book in the Old Testament. And whether or not you think this is an Old Testament principle or a New Testament principle or or whatever you think about it, I just want you to notice the language of it. It's really powerful stuff. Malachi chapter 3. If you wonder why your life is a struggle, this could be one of the things that's making your life a struggle. Look at this. Malachi 3. Hope you got there. Verse number 8. Now look at this question. Will a man rob God? Like, if God were in the room today, would you go and pickpocket him? Right? If Jesus were in the room today, would you go and steal his sandals while he was napping? And this is a legitimate question. Will a man rob God? Look what he says. Yet ye have robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? Where do we rob you, God? It's our stuff. Here's what he says. In tithes and offerings. Now look at this next verse. Ye are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be room enough to receive it. It's called the tithe. You wonder why life seems to be such a struggle financially, workplace, kids. I have to tell you, it could come down to this right here. It could come down to this right here. And I I know you're thinking right now, you pastors are always preaching about money. I knew this is where this sermon was headed. Look, if God promises to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing... Because of a faith step I can take. I don't know about you, but I'm taking that faith step. And I would be a pretty hateful pastor and friend to you if I didn't tell you how to receive the blessings of God. Now, I'm not going to stand here and preach the prosperity gospel, which is false. I'm not going to tell you that if you tithe, you're going to have the best job in the city. I'm not going to tell you if you tithe that you'll be able to build a 5,000 square foot house in the next year and pay for it. That you won't ever owe a bill. That's a bunch of bunk. What I'm saying is this. You can trust God with your finances. You can trust God with your time. You can trust God with his resources. And if you don't, God says you're stealing from him. Uh, Pastor, you putting words in God's mouth Read it for yourself Is there any other way to read it Than will a man rob God Now you can disagree about the principle of giving And how it should all work And you can read up on that yourself I'll tell you this If you feel comfortable Robbing God Please don't go to God And blame Him For the problems in your life We have a Christian society today that plays the blame game. It's the church's fault. It's the youth pastor's fault. It's the school teacher's fault. If that person would have done better by my kid, he would have turned out right. How about this? If you would have tithed, it probably would have helped your kid. If you would have been faithful to God's house, that may have helped your kid. If you would have been an example in the areas of God's resources in your life, that might have helped tremendously your child to grow up with the fear of God. It's hard to be a parent in 2013. It's hard to have to stand in front of your kid and say, you know what? We don't do that. Why don't we do that, Dad? Everybody else does it. We don't do that because there's a God in heaven And He said some things that are really important to us. And those things, we ought to respect them. We ought to revere what God has to say. So this fear of God thing, you you can tell it was a big deal in Achan's life. Because he robbed from God. The passage says it. He stole from God. Can you imagine this? But then this last thing. This is one that, you know, I've read this passage hundreds of times. I don't know if I ever caught this. And maybe I'm just dumb. But I never got this one. And it kind of hit me the other day. Achan wasn't accepting of the invitation. I want you to go back to Joshua chapter 7. Because I know that I'd read this for years and thought, you know what? Achan, he deserved it. He hit it. But he never got a chance to repent. And I was wrong. Look at Joshua 7. I want you to notice this in verse 13. Now this is day of day of AI. And yeah, here in this evening, here's what God says. Verse 13, "Up, sanctify the people." That means get everybody together. Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from you. Now look at this, in the morning. Therefore ye shall be brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord God taketh shall come according to the families thereof. And the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households. And the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he have, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. Start this one by saying this People who hide things live in denial about their sins being exposed. They think it's never going to happen. They think that they'll be the first person ever not to have hidden things known by God. God knows all the secrets. He reminds us many times of that. He also says this in Proverbs 28 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. When I read the Bible, here's what I find God is a merciful God. (laughs) There are times where even God's children got mad at him for being too merciful. You remember a guy named Jonah? Jonah's like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. Those are the people who kill prophets. They send prophets of God down the slide. You know what the slide was? It wasn't a playground toy. It was an implement that the Assyrians had created that they made you go to the top and slide down, and at the bottom there was a blade that cut you in half. And Jonah's like, Yeah, I'm not really into this. And of course, he got swallowed by the big fish, the whale. He got spit up, and he made a three day journey in one day. And he comes into the city covered with stinking seaweed. He preaches an eight word message, and 120,000 people repent. And Jonah got ticked God, how dare you give them mercy! Here's the point God was trying to make to Jonah, and I hope you get it. If they don't get mercy, neither do you. And the next time you want to judge somebody for their sin, for their hidden thing, for their problem in their life, you say, they don't deserve God's mercy. Please look in the mirror and say to yourself, neither do I. I don't deserve mercy. God's mercy Verbalize it Put it out there Because we struggle with this one God offers mercy in circumstances Where we would never offer it He tells us To love mercy Here's the tough thing though It's impossible To receive God's mercy If you don't hear anything else in the message Hear this one It's impossible to receive God's mercy if we aren't willing to uncover the hidden thing voluntarily. If we aren't willing to uncover the hidden thing voluntarily, we get no mercy. We just read how Joshua gave the announcement. Remember what the announcement said? It said, tomorrow morning. We're sorting this out tomorrow morning. There's an accursed thing in the camp. We're going to find it. And here's what I had never noticed before, and it may just be me. Achan had ample opportunity to walk up to Joshua that moment and confess. He had the whole night to go before the elders of Israel and bear his soul. But Achan's opportunity to come clean before God and Joshua passed by. And he had to be called out publicly for his sin. Verse 16. Look at it. We're going to read the end of the story. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribe and the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites. And he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And can you imagine these guys who are saying, what are we here for? Why is Judah here? What did we do? He brought his household man by man, and Achan, verse 18, the son of Carmi, the son of Zaddi, the son of Zerah, the tribe of Judah, was taken, and Joshua said unto Achan, this isn't voluntary anymore. My son, give I pray thee glory to the God to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him. And tell me now what thou hast done, hide it not from me. And when it's already too late, when he's standing before the judge, he is forced to confess. That's not a good spot to be in. That's not really a good position for mercy. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold of fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth, in the midst of my tent, and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent, and behold, it was hid in his tent. And the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua, and unto all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them into the valley of Achor. Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned them with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. Achim, was it worth it? As you stand there with your family around you, was it worth it to steal from God? Was it worth it to hide your sin? Now you can imagine that he would say no, no, a million times, no. I, it's a passage that I, it just blows me away every time I read it. Here is a dad standing with his kids. And his daughters saying, dad, why are they throwing stones at us? And his son is saying, Dad, it hurts. hit me. His wife's crying. The animals who did nothing are being stoned. And it's easy to look and say, God, why are you judging him? You know why God had to judge him? Because he refused mercy. He refused voluntary confession. Now, you could be here this morning with a hidden thing, something that only you know. But obviously, that's not true, though, because God knows. You might not know what to do with it because you've confessed it to God before, but it didn't go away. And it didn't go away because it's still hidden, it has to be exposed. You could go to God every day for the rest of your life and confess it and you'll still feel it because it's not been exposed. It's hidden. And I'm not going to ask you to confess your sin to the local church this morning. Well, there are times in the Bible when they said that had to happen. But you might need to get with a spouse or a parent or a prayer partner another Christian before the sun sets today. And uncover the hidden thing This is what it means in James 5 when it says Confess your faults one to another And pray for one another that you may be healed See, you can't be healed until you uncover the hidden thing What's the only obstacle that will stop you from doing it? It's still called selfishness But the truth will set you free When you say, there's something I need to tell you, and you do it voluntarily, real change can happen in your life. See, when your wife catches you, or when your husband catches you, or when your mom or dad catches you, or when your boss catches you, that's not voluntarily. And you may come clean at that point, and say, I'm sorry, I messed up. But you know, those apologies after being caught, Aren't really worth anything. The voluntary ones, <laughs> I remember one of the kids years ago, we talked about having a guilty conscience. And I don't even remember which one it was. Um, I think it was Dawson, which surprises me greatly. But he came out of a room it was late at night and he came crying. What's, what's going on? Are you sick? No, i got something to tell you. Oh, well, what is it, son? What, what happened? What's going on? I took the cookie. <laughs> now, he's never admitted to some other things. And we could go there. I'm just teasing him. You know, you know what that did? It freed his soul. We didn't even know about the cookie. The truth is, in the grand scheme of things, we didn't even care about the cookie. But we did care about his heart. And what a healing time that was for him. You know, if you would step forward today and go before that person and say, you know what? I got to tell you. Here's what happened. Here's what I did. They'll love you even more than they loved you before. What we always think is if I tell them they're not going to love me anymore, if I tell them what I did, oh, it's going to be brutal. You know what usually they say is I didn't even know I I didn't even know you did that. I I don't even remember that. But you've got to come clean. If you don't come clean with your confession, God can't give you mercy. And I, I just for me, I know I need mercy. I need it big time. I think you probably do too. Let's bow in prayer. I'm not going to ask you to come pray today. We've really gone in detail about this subject. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Bring glory to God by confessing your sin today or that hidden thing. It may not even be a sin. Maybe it's how somebody hurts you. You've held it inside and it's destroying you. The bitterness, jealousy, the anger, the envy, the resentment, killing you inside. Get with somebody today. Before the sun sets tonight, get that thing out there. It's what God would have you to do. You say, Pastor, wait, hold on. I already talked to God about it. I know. And he knows all about it. And what he's saying is, you've got to release it. You've got to free it. The truth will set you free. Our Father, we thank you for this group of people today. God, I don't know their needs. I don't know the hidden things of their hearts. But you do. And would you shine the flashlight of the Holy Spirit of God on hearts this moment. That they might say, God, you know about it. I know about it. I need to take care of it. I've got to deal with it today. Right now, I've got to deal with it. Could be some who don't even know you as Savior. I pray that they would seek us out today or someday during the week to find out how to know you as Savior. And as we close that prayer, I'd like to let you know this. Today, we're just going to leave softly with the guitar playing after I say amen. And we're going to free you to use the altar If you need to come with your husband your wife seek out your mom your dad your friend another Christian if you need to come and deal with this today you could do it right here in God's house at his altar that's what this altar's for we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ amen